0: Let's get going on our series on Elijah, prophet of fire, man of despair. This is the, the fifth uh, part of uh, this particular series. If you've got your Bibles, your devices, turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start reading at verse 40. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation this, uh, this morning. Using NIV, I like this uh, uh, little version just a little bit better for this passage this morning, so I should do this like a quiz. I should, you know, as I go through the story this morning, can you bring it up to date, let you raise your hand, win a chick-fil-A card if you answer the right direction. I should do that, but I'm not. All right, So we go back. Elijah stands, you know, he lives about 900 years before the time of Jesus. He lives. Uh, in the era of one of the most wicked kings. The Bible said he's one of the most mi- wicked men that ever lived. One of the wicked kings, his name is Ahab. And he, uh, he goes to Ahab and he says, it's not going to rain until I say that it's going to rain. Okay, so... Wow, almost immediately the skies dry up. There is no rain. The Lord tells Elijah, I want you to go. There's a brook that I want you to sit by, and there's going to be water that's going to come from the brook, and there's going to be a certain kind of bird that's going to bring you food. What kind of bird? All right, somebody over here. All right, I got some Chick-fil-A cards to burn. You never know. You never know. Ravens, they're going to bring you food in the morning, they're going to bring you food at night. And then one day the brook dried up. The effects of the drought started to occur, and the brook dried up, and the Lord said, Hey, I want you to go to the city of. Whit. But he's looking at the Bible. He's cheating. He's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're supposed to look at the Bible. All right, so I'm not going to ask any more questions because you're looking at the answers. I was so impressed, but you were reading it out of your Bible. Sends her miserapath to a widow who's just got a little oil and a little flour. God does a miracle, and out of that little oil and little flour, God provides for that widow's family, her son, and Elijah. A little later on, the widow's son gets sick and dies and Elijah prays over him the first biblical resurrection that had ever you know that had ever occurred wow that was amazing the lord speaks to Elijah and said now it's time the drought is going to be over i want you to go back to ahab he hooks up with ahab through obadiah if you remember the remember the story he goes back to ahab and he says it's going to rain now it's going to rain but before that before that just so everybody will know whose god is the lord i want you to bring all those prophets of baal i want you to bring them up to mount carmel 850 prophets of baal i want you to bring them up on mount carmel and we're just gonna pray. We're gonna have a little contest here. And whoever's God, whoever God answers by fire, that is, we'll know that that is God. So all those prophets of Baal get up there. All the people of Israel make the trek. They're at Mount Carmel, you know the story. They the prophets of Baal, they they pray and they pray and they pray all day. They cut themselves, they're bleeding. Nothing. Elijah makes this prayer, he builds an altar, he makes a prayer, fire comes down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, all the people of Israel go, oh wow, the God, he is the Lord, they, they, they make this turn, so that's where we're at, that's where we ended up a couple of weeks ago, so I want to start right after the fire consumes The sacrifice, I want to start right there in verse 40. It says, Elijah commanded, this is after, immediately after they they had made this turn, this prayer, they had seen this fire come down. Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So all the people seized them all, all the people of Israel. And Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and he killed them there. Now, Ahab is so stunned over what he just saw. Man, he makes no effort in any way to try to save these prophets of Baal. I mean, he's just, it's unbelievable what they've just seen. And in a moment, Elijah executes those prophets of Baal, 850. Now, let me just say, About these prophets of Baal They were complicit in a lot of different things A lot of evil Not only did they perpetuate A false sense of worship And a false God But man, they were taking part Of all the sexual immorality Homosexuality and heterosexuality That was going on At the temples that they built But the very worst part of that They participated in the child sacrifice The infant sacrifice Taking infants and putting them on like a little shelf and shoving them in the fire. Can you imagine, you know, such evil that you would do it? And let me tell you, God's judgment came upon them. So I just want to remind you, as we read this passage this morning, in this life and the life to come, there are consequences to our decisions. In this life and the life to come, there are consequences to our decisions. We were in Europe last week. We spent a couple days in Munich in one tour that we took. We drove outside and we went to Dachau. We went to the concentration camp at Dachau. And I, I just walked through. I walked through that place where hundreds of thousands of people were, were executed. We saw the... The, the, the bunk houses, the terrible living conditions that they were in. We saw, you know, the bath houses that they had constructed for the Jewish people, but also political opposition. And and, and the worst part was the crematorium that we visited. And you you stand there speechless at how evil people can be. I just kept telling Becky, man, just, we we are on, I mean, this ground is just evil. I mean, how low can people go that you are executing and burning, you know, uh, 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 you know hundreds of thousands of people? But do you know, when the American, I think it was the 7th the, the Army showed up, and they walked on the grounds at that particular time, and they saw all the rotting corpses that were in the Train that they could not get to, they just couldn't burn them fast enough. So they had put them in this train, and they saw the emaciated condition of the uh, of, of the uh, of, of the people that lived there. Immediately, do you know the American soldiers? They just started summarily executing those German soldiers that were there. The evil was so. The evil was just so, you know. And they finally stopped them, but they just saw. Man, it was the it was, it was one of the most evil places that I've ever been to. But just the reaction of, of even our own, you know, our own soldiers at that point. Now, I just I just want to say, and I, and I mentioned it a, a a moment ago. In this life, in the life to come, there are consequences to our decisions. Okay, and when you make decisions apart from God's will, you set in motion a set of unintended consequences, okay, for your life. When you make decisions apart from God's will, you set in motion a set of unintended consequences for your life. So listen to me. So if you choose the path of evil, if you choose to walk, you know, down that, that, down that particular path, you are setting a course of events for your life that God did not intend for you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But if you purposely go, hey, I'm going to do this thing my own way, I'm going to walk down my own path, then just know that there's a set of consequences, you know, at the end of that. Now, listen to me. Everyone will give an account uh, here and over there, okay, the judicial system here, most of the time, will will catch you if it's some kind of judicial violation. But I promise you this, when we stand before God, everybody gives an account for everything they've done here on this earth. We stand before God. Nobody slips through. Now, now you may, you, you know, you may uh, have a, a family member. You may have some people that that you love and care about, and that you wanna, you wanna help them. You wanna, you know, you wanna, you, you see them kind of spiraling out of control. You kind of want to rescue them, and and your heart is good, and you mean well. But can I just say that sometimes only the pain associated with their actions is the only thing that will turn them around. And if you try to remove the the pain of their behavior and actions, then then sometimes we think we're helping, but we're not helping. We're actually hurting them. Sometimes it's gotta be the, the collapse. Sometimes it's gotta be the, the failure and the fall and the pain that, that occurs with those decisions where people really maybe start, maybe start turning, you know, turning around. God reminds us: everyone gives an account to God. Everyone gives an account to God. And we saw it happen in those prophets. And I want to tell you as surely as we stand here today, when we stand before God, everybody gives an account to God. Here's what Romans says. Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there'll be wrath and anger. There'll be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. So he's reminding you that there are a couple of choices a couple of paths that you can take here. You can follow the path of righteousness here or you can follow the path of evil. But make no, mistake of, no, make no mistake about it, when it's all over, when your heart stops beating, whatever way you stand before God and you give an account on that particular day. Second Corinthians says like this, <clears throat> For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ So that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So this passage, it sets it up like a courtroom. So get get that kind of picture in your mind. It's like a courtroom. And then there's the, the judge that we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And can I say in that moment when you, when it's just you, you can't pull me in and go, hey, I want to talk to you about the pastor you gave me, okay? Can't do that. It's all you. And in that moment, when you stand before God, there's no lawyers. There's no appeals. There's no speeches. There's no passes because of the good religious deeds that your family has done. There's none of that. That is over. That moment it's now, but that, when you stand before God, then that, that moment is over. It's like when I was in seventh grade, I got my report card, and I had five Fs, okay, five. One of them was in conduct, okay. For some reason, I could not keep my mouth shut, okay. God gave me this gift. I just wanted to share it with people, you know. So I'm, I, I know it's bad news. I know it's bad news at home. I know. But I come up with this speech, you know, to give my father. So I hand him the report card. He's reading the sports page. I hand him the report card. And he drops the sports page, and he just starts staring at me. I said, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Dad, I just want you to know, this report card has really made me change the way that I look at my education, Okay. Dad, I have not really focused on my education. It was not serious. But this report card has changed me because now, instead of sports and other things, now my education is coming first in my life. I'm going to do better to be respectful and not talk as much at school. And I just want you to know I've come to that decision. And he said, fine, Go get me the belt, okay? <laughs> and then I just blacked out. I don't know what happened after that. <clears throat> hey, can I tell you? On the day of judgment, there's no speech. It's just verdict. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it's just, it's just verdict there. He just, he just tells you yes or no. Here's what Romans says about that moment all right since we've Romans 3 since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners and proved that we were utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us God did it for us out of sheer generosity he put us in right standing with himself a pure gift. He got us out of the mess that we were in. He restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now see there's this kind of new age kind of, kind of thinking. It's called karma. And it says if you've been bad now in your future, in the next life, it's going to be bad for you there. But if you've been good now in the future, in the supernatural, it's going to be good for you. Okay? Now, let me tell you a little bit because grace trumps karma anytime. Okay. See, because you can be bad, and you can do all kinds of bad things, and you feel bad, you've hurt other people, but I just want you to know that that doesn't, because you've done bad now, does not mean it's bad for you in the future. I'm telling you, the grace of Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ, can take a person as bad, and man, you can be forgiven and cleansed on the day of judgment, Okay? Uh, The other side of karma says that if you're good, then you'll always be, you know, you'll get good in the future. And I want to just disagree with that. It doesn't matter how many good deeds that you can do in this world. They will never measure up to where your sin debt is paid. Even if you're a good and moral person, you still need the grace of Jesus Christ. You still need the cross of Jesus Christ. You still need the blood of Jesus Christ. And we all stand condemned, but we can stand on that day of judgment innocent Because of the shed blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus Christ. Would you give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Thank you Lord for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy Lord. Amen. So he starts, I mean, wow. Executing those terrible prophets of Baal. In the next verse. It said, then Elijah said to Ahab, get something to eat and drink. For I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, and Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bowed low to the ground, with his face between his knees. Now listen, he the Lord had already told him that hey, this drought's over. You need to go, you need to go to Ahab. But now listen, he had the word of the Lord, but he had not seen it come to pass yet. So what did he do? It's a great lesson here. He had the word of the Lord. He had the promise of the Lord. He just had not seen it come about yet. So what did he do? Did he just kind of relax? Did he just go, man, God has given me this word. I'm just going to rest on this word. No. He went and he prayed that promise through. Can I tell you that there are time, there's a time lapse sometime between the word of the Lord and the hand of the Lord? Okay, what do we do in that particular instance? No, we we begin to we begin to pray and we begin to you know we begin to seek God. Now, listen, some of you may be here today, and you are faced with situations and you just feel hopeless in your life. And there's just nothing that I can do and you feel hopeless, or you feel powerless. Man, I would love to get my hand involved. I would love to change this thing, but there is nothing that I can do. Can I just tell you something? You are so wrong, all right? Because God created a way that you and I can impact and influence the world, and it is called prayer, okay? He bows himself. He begins to pray. He begins to seek God And I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. And I want to say it again because I feel like it's applicable to our church and our lives. We don't want to be people that just believe in the theology of prayer. But we want to be people who are regularly in the closet of prayer seeking God ourselves. We want to be people of prayer. We want to be people of prayer. All right? He had the word of the Lord, but he hadn't seen the hand of the Lord. So what does he do? He prays. Now listen, I heard this such a long time ago. I've given you this before, but man, I believe in it. Things happen when you pray that would not ordinarily happen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your prayer closet is making a difference? Do you believe that your regularity in prayer is changing the world? It's changing you? Man, if I didn't believe that, it would discourage me. But I believe, man, that we change the world. We change ourselves when we pray, things happen when we pray that wouldn't ordinarily happen. And things happen when we don't pray that wouldn't ordinarily happen. I think our lives are filled with a lot of stuff sometimes that are there because of our inaction when it comes to prayer. we got a dusty prayer closet. It's been a long time since we spent time with the Lord and the enemy wars continually, wars against us. You wars against the church and inactivity when it comes to prayer just opens the door. And I think sometimes we eat the bitter fruit of prayerlessness in our lives. Generations, church, we've got to be people that praise, we've got to be a church that prays, and we've got to be people that pray. We've got to be it. <laughs> I asked you a couple weeks ago, Do you pray? Have you taken at least 10 minutes in the last week and you shut everything down, not while you're driving, not while you're working, not while you're multitasking? Sometimes you can pray and multitask, but you know what? That's not really the intended consequence of that. When you shut everything down, you you prayed. Can I challenge you? Can I just challenge you four times a week, 15 minutes a day? If If you're not a person that's regular in prayer, regular in your prayer closet, can we just start there? This is what Elijah did. He had the promise. He had the promise but he just didn't sit around, man. He went and he's praying that he's praying that thing through. And some of you, man, there's some things in your life that you need to pray over and over with great regularity. You need to pray it through until you see God's hand in your life. 4 times a week, 15 minutes a day, you shut everything down. You're quiet. You get in your room, your quiet place, you put on a song of worship, whatever brings you to worship, and you sing and you magnify God. And when that song's over, you get down to business and you pray. We've got to be people that praise. When Elijah prayed, here's some things that we can see from that. Number one, he was by himself. He left, he left where he was at, where... And he goes back to Mount Carmel. He's by, him. He's by himself. We saw that pattern in Jesus' life. He would go up into the mountain so he could be by himself. Or he would get up very early in the morning. Why? So he could just be by, him, be, be by himself. You know, just multiple times you see that in Jesus' life. And then Jesus taught us about the prayer closet so that we could be by ourselves. Because listen to me, you can hear God better when you are quiet and alone, okay? You can hear God better when you're quiet and alone. So when Elijah prayed, he was by himself. He humbled himself. He he bent down low to the ground. He kneeled. His, his face was almost to the ground in between his knees and, and that That act was just a sign of humility, not just physically, but when we pray, we come with a humble heart. We've got to be people of prayer. He was by himself. He humbled himself. And he was persistent and expectant. He just wasn't going through the motions here. He just wasn't punching the clock and doing my time of prayer. So he's praying for this rain He's praying for this, this this rain that the Lord has told him he's going to he's going to come and he and he and he says to the servant after he prays he says do you see anything what do you see the servant's looking up in the sky and he says I don't I don't see anything I mean they haven't seen clouds in years I don't I don't see anything but Elijah was one not to give up when he didn't see what he needed to see in prayer. That wasn't him. Because he stood, if you'll remember, with this little boy who had died. Remember, he prayed once, didn't see anything. He didn't give up. He prayed again, didn't give up. He prayed the third time. And the body and the, the breath came back into that young boy. And and he he asked the servant, What did you see? He said, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. You see, we think if I can't see it with my eyes, then I assume God is not at work. And I want to tell you, you are wrong. Elijah, he just kept going. He kept going. He kept sending that servant back. Do you see? Do you see anything? No. Second time, do you see anything? No. Third time, go back over. Do you see anything? Because the third time is what worked last time. We always think God's into formulas, right? He's always going to do it like he did last time. Third time, this is it. you see anything? No. Nothing. Wow. Fourth time, go back. You see anything? No. Fifth time. You see anything? He's still praying. Elijah's praying and he's sending his servant back to the horizon. Do you see? Do you see anything? No. Sixth time. Do you see anything? I'm sure the servant is all worn out. His faith is very discouraged. He's sweating. He's going, man, I'm working for a nut here. What's he doing? six times. Can I just give you some things to remember when you are praying and you are seeking? Great faith comes from great prayer. We think sometimes like in the Bible, they're just born with great faith. They're just men and women of great faith. But I'm just telling you, no, great faith, powerful faith comes from people with great prayer lives. Faith is born in the season of prayer. Great faith comes from great prayer. My persistence gets me closer to God, okay? So I'm praying. I'm praying one first time, second time, third time, fourth time. My persistence, my, my persistence, it's, it's getting me to pray. And over the course of of my persistence Man I'm just getting closer to the Lord I'm spending more time in His presence It's no wonder some of you Haven't got your answer to prayer yet The Lord loves you in the prayer closet Seeking, seeking after Him Just my, my persistence in prayer Gets me closer to God I don't give up I don't wave the white flag I keep going back into my closet of prayer And when I do that Man I am closer to Jesus And God answers the prayers of people filled with faith, but he gives strength to hold on until the answer comes, okay? He gives that strength. He, he answers prayer of people filled with faith, but in the meantime, he'll give you strength to hold on. I just wanna say something to you this morning. If he's ever given you a word, if he's ever spoken a word to you about something, don't be discouraged. Don't give up. You just keep going. You just keep going. He's going to give you the grace to keep, you know, to give you the, the grace to, to hold on until the answer comes because faith is the response to the faithfulness of God and what he has already planned and what he has already promised, okay? It's just going, hey, Lord, I know that you're going to reconcile what you've spoken. I have the word of the Lord, but there's a day that I'm going to see the hand of the Lord. And it was the seventh time. The seventh time, sometimes we would have already given up on the third or fourth, right? We, we, we pray a time or two. We turn in a prayer card or two. Let me tell you something about your prayer cards. we got a bunch of them. If you got me praying for you and you're not praying for you, if I knew it, I'd pull that prayer card out. <laughs> that prayer card is a covenant that you're praying and we're praying, Okay? Don't don't give up. Don't, don't, Don't give up. And at the seventh time, the servant came back and he said, You know, it's not much, but I see just a little cloud, like a man's hand, rising up out of the sea. And Elijah said, That is all I need. Go and tell Ahab. He needs to get on his chariot because there's about to be a flood. I want to tell you, sometimes we get discouraged because we let our eyes dictate our spiritual reality, but in a greater way, it's God's word, God's will, and God's purpose that will always come to about even when we don't see it with our eyes. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged this morning. 2 Corinthians. For we walk by faith And not by sight. We lean on the senses. But we're not walking by sight. We're not walking by what we hear. By what we see and what we sense. There's something different. He says we as believers. We walk by faith. Our our hearts are not moved by what we see. We're not encouraged or discouraged by what we see. But we walk by faith. We walk by the word of the Lord. Elijah shouted hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb in your chariot, go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you and soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Wow, the drought is over. Just like the word of the Lord said. Can I just take a moment here? Some of you may feel like even in your own life, there's a, spiritual drought. There's some spiritual dryness in your own heart. You may feel, you know, just just feel that. Man, I just, it's been such a long time since I've, man, just had the, the presence of God just flooding in my heart. Sometimes we walk through uh, difficult trials and circumstances, and we walk through that over a season, and man, at the end of that, man, we just feel, we just feel dry. We just feel like we're we're in a drought. We feel like sometimes like God is distant for whatever reason. He's distant and we we feel dryness and drought in our life or our spiritual life is in a rut. We are in a lifeless spiritual routine that is that is not producing life and spiritual health and we're just kind of in this rut and we just feel dry before the Lord or we're giving out while we're empty. Where It's a you have a good heart, but, man, we give and give and give, and we haven't worried about replenishing that. And, man, you just feel dry. You just feel like you've been in a drought or you've positioned yourself outside of the rain. Man, intentionally, boy, you don't see, you know, you're, you're not doing things sometimes that would position you in a place where God is raining and pouring out His Spirit, and and you just feel Man, you feel dry in your own heart, a, a sense of spiritual drought. And some of you have been in this situation so long, so thirsty for God's presence that you've adjusted to living for God this way. We've kind of gotten in some drought survival. We've just learned kind of how to cope in the midst of, in the midst of this spiritual drought. Okay? We just kind of. Learn to live our life without the power and the presence of, the presence of God. And I just want to say to you this morning, as rains came upon the parched land in the time of Elijah, I want to tell you, God can send His rain now in your own particular life, and He can bring showers of His presence in, His li- in your life. I want to say to the church that we don't have to exist in drought situation and learn how to survive. I want to say, God can send His reign. God can send His presence to the church. God can do a, a miracle in our midst here. <laughs> this drought can be over. This drought for you can be over. Hosea 10 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up the fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. Until he comes and showers righteousness on you. I want to say this morning. Take that promise from the Lord. If you feel dry. If you feel like you've been in a desert. you feel like you've been in a drought this morning. He said break up that, 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 that hard ground in your life. Because if you don't. When it rains it just rolls off. He said, break up that hard ground in your life. And he says, there's a time to seek the Lord. Listen, things like this just don't happen. It comes when people go, Lord, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. Lord, it's been so long since I've been in your presence. Lord, I'm I'm coming with my hands lifted. Lord, I'm asking you to do something powerful in my life. Lord, I don't want an existence without the presence of God. Lord, pour your spirit upon me. I want to say to the church today, we want to see God do something powerful in our midst. We want to see God sweep and reign across this place where people will know it is only the hand of God. No one gets the glory. It's only the power and the presence of God. He said, I'll bring those showers on you. We don't have to live in desert conditions. I want to tell you, some of you, it's been a long time, man, since you've had a personal experience with the power and the presence of God, I want to say to you, that drought can be over. That drought can be over. The last part, the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, the strength of the Lord, tucking in his cloak and his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Wow. Ahab's on the chariot, and he's got a head start. But God put his power and presence and strength. He does a supernatural, God, he gives Elijah supernatural strength. I want to tell you, when God's hand comes upon him, he does something that he could not have done on his own, okay? Listen, some of you need the strength of the Lord. How many of you weary? Tired? Worn out, just exhausted in your heart. You don't feel like you have any spiritual reserves anymore. Man, I want to tell you, it's tough when you when you just feel like spiritually exhausted, man, it's tough to pray and push in prayer. When you when 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 you're in a weakened condition, it's tough when you you know when you Want to want to stand and believe and hold. It's it's tough. You're trying to make decisions and you're worn out. And that's not a good that's not a good thing to do is make decisions when you're you know when you when you're tired. And some of you are are living a life out of balance. Okay, you're exhausted. But some of you got some you know. There's no balance in your life. There's no Sabbath. There's no rest. But I want to just say that God can give you strength in this moment. Like a supernatural strength, God can do that. He put that strength on Elijah and he did something that he could not have done on his own. Some of you have learned to exist in this kind of functional exhaustion. You're just tired all the time and your heart, you're tired and your body, you're tired and you're just, you're just kind of Existing. I I just want you to know, man, we need we need to watch boundaries in our own life. But I want to say God can give you strength in this moment. When you feel like you are weak, he can give you strength. The disciples, they were on the, the water, and the Bible says they were straining with the oars. They were straining. Brent worship team, you can come. They're straining. They're so tired. It's been nine hours. And they're not getting anywhere. They're not making any progress. Not making any progress. It said in that moment, at their weakest moment, not ours, Jesus came to them. Jesus came to them. Can I just tell you, he wants to give you spiritual strength this morning, what he did for Elijah. He He can do for you this morning. Isaiah says, they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength They'll mount up with wings like his eagles. They'll run and not be weary. And they'll walk and not faint. And I want to tell you, when the Lord gives you spiritual strength, it never exhausts, it never runs out. The promise from Ephesians says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. You got that? Look at that passage. Here's a promise for some of you. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Some of you need that promise today. Some of you are worn out. You're wiped out. You need the strength of the Lord. You need the strength of the Lord. You need God's supernatural strength. He can give that to you this morning. He'll strengthen your soul. When you are weakened and when you're worn out, you do not feel like you can go on any further. He can give you strength. He can give you endurance. He can give you perseverance. He can give you patience. Everything that you need. He touched Elijah and gave him some strength. And he can do that to you this morning. He can do, do that to you this morning. So today, we're going to wind up. just going to Do some prayer at the very end. So I just want to just mention, if you're here today, you're away from the Lord, uh, you're not sure if you're ready to stand before Him on the day of judgment, can I tell you, you don't have to stand condemned. You can stand there because of mercy. If you're away from God today, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, today can be a day of mercy. It doesn't have to be a time of judgment for your life. Whatever you've done, whatever you've done, There's forgiveness and a second chance in the person of Jesus. Amen, Generations Church? Amen. Amen. If you're here today, man, there's been some drought, just some dryness in your own heart. It's been a long time. Man, you just need God's presence. And you know what? You're just hungry. for. You just need some strength. You just need God's strength. Just weak, worn out, run down. You need the power and the presence of God. Would you stand? Would you stand this morning? Thank you for listening to the Generations Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.